Right. Welcome everyone to the Fader Connections Path of Exile Community Podcast episode number 65. We just finished the League Start weekend of 3.16 Scourge League. It's Monday evening and everyone has been gaming for the past three days. And tonight I'm here joined by Octavian, by Big Ducks and by Trix, our uh, friends from the Twitch community. And... Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you don't know Octavian, you should know him from the Bay Class podcast, where he uh, does discuss the game with Tarky Cat and his uh, crew of veteran PoE players, as uh, they are lovingly referred to. Big Ducks is big on the YouTubes and big on the the uh, Twitch, and uh, is probably uh, one of the more lucky gamers. I heard uh, it's. Uh, I, I saw some things that made me think you should be playing SSF instead. And, yeah, uh, I, I had a pretty unethical run. <laughs> And Trix just rejoined us from like a, a six-month hiatus, I heard, from uh, from PoE. Basically just came back to the game. So you're going to be asking all the relevant questions. But he's an expert gamer who's been uh, regularly outpacing me in hardcore. And uh, you're on the hardcore side now together with Octavian. And Big Ducks and I are the softcore players this time around. Ooh. So that should be interesting. Anyway, uh, I'll give the word to Octavian. H how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. I've uh, been enjoying the league start so far. Um, you want me to go into how that's gone and all that? or Absolutely. Tell, tell me how hyped you were from the hyped season and what was your build plan and how did that go? Uh, it was down until the last couple hours for me to decide on which build I was going to go. I had three or four different ones planned, but I ended up landing on champion like a third of the hardcore player base did. And uh, I'm uh, playing a champion Spectral Helix specifically. Um, it's gone pretty well so far. I just finished collecting my watchstones and I'm into like T14s and 15s and such. Is that uh, a poison-based Spectral Helix? Uh, no, it's impale and hit-based uh, oh, wow. on, on the champion variant. Okay. Because I did actually have to uh, adapt for someone when I did build reviews leading up to the league. I had to adapt your uh, your Pathfinder Poison uh, Scourge uh, bullshit Pathfinder Poison Spectral Helix uh, build from 3.15 and migrate that into the 3.16 tree, and it looked really good. So I figured maybe you'd played that also on Champion now, but it makes sense because Pathfinder is the Poison Prolif. Why would you do that on Champion? Yeah, on the champ variant, you just scale a bunch of prod speed and attack speed to get the clear to feel solid. Um, it was pretty clunky when I first hit maps, but I've got my anoint for long shot for some prod speed now, and I'm working on getting access to... Uh, I, always remember, I always forget the name of the helmet. It's a helmet and heist that gives you far shot and 50% increased prod speed. Fledgling, that's what it's called. Um, the reason why it's powerful is because far shot is calculated in the total distance the projectile traveled, not how far it is from the player. So Spectral Helix spinning around on top of you travels a decent distance pretty quickly in terms of total units moved without moving far from where the boss is. So you get access to the far shot multiplier without actually having to be far away. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you also have that on the Pathfinder, right? No, the uh, the I don't poison. I don't believe scales with far shot. And also, admittedly, I hadn't thought of that um, in in last league. The idea I yoinked from a video that Younggrown put out. Oh, okay. No, I I just remember seeing it in some POB, but it was quite a lot of a few POBs on the build help stream, so I may have mixed things up. But that sounds like a, a solid plan. Uh, how does the how does the clear feel when it's purely hit based? Is it leave like straggling monsters with like 10% HP or 
when I was getting into mapping first, it would do that. But yeah, at this point, having scaled enough attack speed and prod speed, it feels perfectly fine. Um, I went the route of using Perseverance and a Perma Onslaught and some Onslaught effect. It's, it's pretty zoomy at this point. Sounds good. Uh, well, I figure Big Ducks wants to tell us about his, uh, his uh, uh, yeah. Cold Iron Point uh, so, adventures. It's, it's more than that. Um, so... It basically, uh, I kind of took the initial league start a little slow as I usually do because, you know, I do all the build guide stuff and all that. And then it's like, hey, uh, you know, my normal work's like, hey, where are you? Why are you not working? So I have to take a little bit back. But we managed to, as a joke, someone asked me to chance a cold, or a chance an Ezemite blade. And the very first chance orb I used on an Ezemite blade or Ezemite dagger turned into a cold iron point. And then the next day, the second Ezemite dagger that I gambled from Gwynnon turned into another Cold Iron Point. And then about an hour later, I had a Tinker Skin just naturally drop. And then I got the six link on the Tinker Skin with the new Vol fusing thing uh, in just two tries. It was just it just went from four link to five, five link to six. And yeah, I just apparently I have sold my soul to to Christ Wilson, and you know just. I've used up every single bit of RNG for the entirety of the league now, because I'm playing Fish Trapper, so all three of those items are, you know, like, the, the main kit for Fish Trapper, so it's like, yeah, what else can I even do the at game. Well done. Like, very what, skilled. What, 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 very skilled. 100% pure skill. Nothing else. Very ethical. <laughs> Have you considered going SSF? No, I, I've I've kind of had that talk before. I'm I'm not big on SSF, unfortunately. I should have this league, because it would have been even funnier if I had, but... You know, it is what it is. Well, not anymore now. If he tried to go SSF now, he's just going to drop, like, Wisdom Scrolls for the rest of his life. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah so my league starts pretty unethical. Sounds good. Uh, okay, let's hear from Trix. What, what had you planned? Or what did you have planned? And what did you go with? Yeah, so, um, as you mentioned earlier, I took about six months off of PoE. I did not play Expedition whatsoever. Basically, my job is seasonal, so I work a ton in the summer. Uh, I do like 12 to 14 hour days, six days a week. And then I get two to three months off in the winter. <laughs> so I go from playing a ton of video games to playing none whatsoever. Um, so the idea was to catch up on everything before the league launched and, you know, learn all of the new stuff, learn all of the stuff that has happened since Expedition launched, because I didn't even pay attention to the Expedition launch aside from you know, getting vicarious information through Twitch, through Reddit, through whatever mediums I, I got them through previously, which is not exactly a fair standpoint. Uh, unfortunately, I got back later than I thought I would because I had to stay an extra week for my work contract, and then I had family stuff. So unfortunately, I didn't catch up as well as I wanted to. <laughs> and so what I did instead was relied on my chat a little bit, and now I'm just a kid in a candy store when it comes to any of this new type of stuff. Like anything that's happened since Expedition, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like that changed this patch. And they're like, no, you idiot. It's been six months. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but basically, I decided to do something really unique and just, you know, go for something interesting and cool. So I decided to play uh, Champion Toxic Rain. I heard no one else is playing that one. So I, I figured I'd be a unique little flower in that way. 
Um, I'm playing in Carve's uh, small private league. So they put together a small private league. And a few friends of mine mentioned, hey, you should join this rather than doing SSF, which I'm usually an SSF hardcore player. Um, and so I jumped into that and it's been a lot of fun. I haven't had as much time to play the league, unfortunately, because of family stuff. Um, but gotten so far to level 89. Finally farmed uh, up my porcupines, which was absolutely miserable until the very last map. Which I hit my sixth one, and then I hit my seventh one, and then I got a harvest to try and sacrifice one of them <laughs> even further. So, uh, yeah, build's feeling pretty good. It's going to feel pretty good. Everybody knew that champion was going to be strong, tanky, and enjoyable. So, yeah, it's going good so far, and it's fun being back. Awesome. Uh, did you actually double the card in harvest then, or did you gamble away the seventh? I tried to gamble it away just for. For fun, I thought, you know what, let's just kill this card, and then just went one-to-one, -one, so. Oh, okay. darn. Uneventful. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happens, and you're like, oh, well, I'm disappointed. The worst for stream, at least. That's the that's the most uneventful outcome. You can't even be upset and, you know, make the chat, like, freak out or anything like that. Nothing you can do. Yeah, nothing of that sort. <laughs> well... Uh, yeah, I heard Battle Mage uh, that, that Raider Toxic Rain instead of Champion to be a unique Snowflake, and say that he was hoping <laughs> that it, it goes faster. But he said it's it's not it's not meaningfully faster. It's just a lot less tanky than Champion would have been. What he says. Yeah. But as for myself, I went with the very original plan of going Armageddon Brand Ignite on an Elementalist. Elementalist because, I mean, you could do Chieftain, but Elementalist is great for League Start because all the flat damages uh, fuel your Ignites, right? Because with Elementalist, all your damage can ignite, not just the fire damage. So you can get like, flat chaos, flat, uh, like, flat anything. You can even get Aziri's Promise for extra chaos off of your fire. And it all makes the Ignites bigger and bigger. So I went with that, and uh, I don't have to tell you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys all know, but I, I think I'll say it again because I had to say it so many times to people in chat and in the YouTube comments, is like, Armageddon Brand Ignite is not nerfed. Yes, Armageddon Brand lost 250% more damage with Ignite, but that's GGG's design to move away from pigeonholing Ignite into, be, you, uh, into being used with these specific skills. And uh, overall, Ignite got 150% more damage now. And Armageddon Brand also got 50% more base damage at all levels. And it got around almost 60% more damage effectiveness. Went up from 85% to 125 And uh, it comes out ahead. Especially because you never really could use Elemental Equilibrium well with Armageddon Brand Ignite because of the high hit rate. And uh, it's great because uh, it allows me to use Replica Amberwake, which I haven't bought yet because I'm a little bit behind. I had pretty bad performance, so I had to reinstall my entire system uh, basically in the last 24 hours before this podcast. Um, but I managed to get a Martyr of Innocence staff with the huge flat fire damage, and I managed to six-link that already directly after I bought it. That was great. Good feeling was it with the tainted fusing orb or no just just regular fuse damn dude <laughs> i was old school reasonably lucky i get i get flamed by chat quite a bit you gotta use the new cheater method it's so easy all you gotta do is get two 50 50s pay 10 chaos for a, for a six link on whatever unique you want I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm probably gonna do that with the second one like i want to get one for crangling right i want to put one into the the scourge 
machine and see whether whether I can get. I've seen some really juicy implicits on some things. Like I, I found a wand with ignite steel damage X percent faster on the implicit, and if you get that with like a, a bad uh, or and a downside that doesn't matter, like deal no no cold damage or something like that, that would be great. But we know what you're gonna really get, though, right? Like you, you know, you know what the Kringle is gonna actually be, right? It, it's gonna be no fire damage, of course. That's just how it goes. We got any good Krangles yet, Octavian? No, <laughs> I don't know. Um, on some maps, sure. That's what I've been mostly using it for. Though I did wish the maps cooked faster, or there was more investment in the um, the skill tree to make them cook faster, or something like that. Um, because those are quite fun to engage with, but the sheer number, like the, the volume of upside and downside modifiers that are available in Crankling makes it so hard to meaningfully try for any individual thing. You know, it's not like Synthesis, which has been compared to a few times, because in Synthesis, arcane and weird as it was, there were ways to try and target specific things. You know, you could you could build up a collection of light radius fractured items to go for an explodey item. With this, it's just... You put it in the device, and you wait, and you hope. And that's it. There's no input. There's no, like, waiting it towards saying, I want life rolls, please, or I want, you know, fire-related stuff, please. And when there's a thousand different things it can hit, I'm rounding up a little bit. It's about 950. But when there's 900-plus different things it can hit, and you have zero control, it just it doesn't feel like I'm meaningfully engaging with the system at that point. It's Wait, just, where did you get that number, if I may ask? Because is it, is it the same pool for all bases? Or is it... Um, that's true, that's true. That's the total number of upsides. Any individual base is probably going to have somewhere around two to 300. I haven't counted them out. But still, like, hundreds of things. And the weighting is not generous towards the good ones. Yeah, I like... I Someone linked me, they're like, Oh, PWDB is updated, go look at the list. And I'm just like... I can't look at this list. There's too many mods. Like, what do you want me to look at? We'll be here for three hours. It's ridiculous. Like, the the scroll bar on the windows, like this big. It's just there, there's just so many. Also, I love I love that reflects eighty one to hundred fizz damage to melee attackers is listed as an upside. That's Ooh. that's great. Yeah, thanks. I mean, technically, it's a place. positive mod. It doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Isn't there? I think Chad mentioned it. Sorry, they mentioned to me the list. It's like, oh, PWDB's been updated. And I think my exact response was, that's nice. Because mm -hmm. I, why, why would I look at this right now? I mean, it's, it's not like other crafting systems where you get, where you, I, I would get excited to go and look at it because I can, you know, like use essences or fossils or something like that to try and do something clever with the system and target a thing. It's just, it's a big list of stuff that could happen if I'm lucky and I have no input or control or anything over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just go get for lucky. a keystone with a, what is it, five waiting out of like 10,000 or something like that, I think is what the waiting for the keystones are. It, it's something ridiculously low. <laughs> 10. Yeah, it, it's, I, it's like, yeah, it, it's like it none. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Most of the good stuff, and I think that's what most people are complaining about right now, is that, I don't know about you guys, but like the feel of the mechanic, like just the actual gameplay feels nice. Like I enjoy yeah. how much you can, mm -hmm. how how like much agency you have over like when you go in and when you come out and how the the monsters feel and all that. There's a couple monsters that seem a little bit strong, but you have almost no control over 
any of the outcomes, and it just doesn't feel super rewarding all the way through the mid-game. Like, I'm in, like, 13s or 14s, I think, right now, and even up to this point, besides maps, of course, like, crangling maps is fine, but it just doesn't really feel like there's many upsides to going in at the moment. It just feels like it's better to just get my Atlas completion done instead. Yeah, to touch on that, you when you mentioned the Atlas completion, you are kind of running a map twice almost with this Scourge mm -hmm. added stuff into it. Yeah, sure, they do drop maps, which is great. I noticed there's a really distinct lack of currency drops aside from the stuff that drops in uh, in quantity now. Um, but Chaos Orbs, uh, Blessed Orbs, etc. You know, I, <laughs> I think I found 12 Scours so far. I'm like level 90. Uh, so... But anyways, um, you're basically doing the map twice, right? So if you're trying to progress your atlas as quick as you possibly can, doing the Scourge stuff is almost not quite detrimental, but it isn't really assisting you unless you're starved for map drops. If you're just simply doing those maps to be able to get the completion, I almost don't even bother going into the Scourge verse, or the, the Krangle verse, as we call it, um, because really there's almost no point aside from slightly slowing down your map progression. Because even if you're you know, pushing towards these crangled items. Like Octavian was saying, you have no agency over it. It's just RNGs take the wheel, throw your hands up in the air, and, and hope that you get a good outcome. So I may as well progress my Atlas knowing that I'm having an outcome that I'm looking towards. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, f I feel the same thing now in endgame or in midgame, but really, really early, I thought it was relatively easy for my leveling ones that I crafted with the, the vendor recipe for, for flat fire damage to spells. It was very easy to hit like a decent pair of implicits where you'd get more flat added damage of some kind with a downside that didn't really matter, like deal no cold damage. And you can craft a lot of those vendor recipe ones. They're not really that expensive. They're very, uh, the word, uh, expendable. And, um, yeah, it also, it, it's really fast early on. So it, you have a high turnover rate and you, you can throw them away if they're bad and then do a new pair of ones. But I felt in the second half of the game, it took way too long. And then when I already had my ones and I knew that those are the ones I keep until I'm starting to go into maps. And when I transition into ignite, right, when the spell damage implicits don't matter anymore and the flat damage slowly falls off because it's just not that high in comparison to what you gain by upgrading levels on the gems and stuff like that. Um, uh, when I started to, to crangle armored items, like way too often, I just get like, I, I think in 80% of the cases, I got like a flat amount of life regen as the upside, like, you know, 11 to 16 flat life regen, which I mean, it's really good if you get that in the first half of the game. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to complain about it. Like if you have that in act two, that is almost like a life flask, right? To have, to have that amount of life regen, especially if you have it on several items, but um, it just, yeah, just feels like it's not enough to, to live up to the premise like the the hype that was uh, promised to us was that that they compete with uh, unique leveling items and they just don't. Yeah, I that that it, I, I'm starting to realize uh, as we go on that Chris gets very hyped about things and he gets very excited about things and he speaks on stuff like that when he says like, oh yeah, in our testing, you know, show these are better than leveling items. And I'm sure it happens sometimes, but it, my experience was very very similar. It's like. 
I used it to get good added uh, added spell damage wands very early on. Super easy for that. Corrupted a couple more things, but beyond that, it didn't really feel super useful. At least early on. This mechanic would actually be perfectly fine in its current state if Path of Exile's core itemization was more deterministic for creating mid-tier items. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying that like you can't create mid-tier items relatively easily. You can you can create them well enough to handle the content. That's evidenced by people doing content quickly in Solus All Found. Like the tools are there, but you can like do it like once, maybe, you know? Like people in Solus All Found pushing high-end content in the first few days don't have backups of gear. They don't have backup boots, they don't have backup weapons, you know, you got your one five link probably. And maybe in two weeks from now, my feeling on the lead mechanic will be entirely different because I can, you know, print out a couple of 400 PDPS weapons in a, in a afternoon if I wanted to, because I have a bunch of currency and essences saved up and crap like that. But in this more limited early league environment, without more deterministic crafting, the likes of Harvest in previous leagues, crangling stuff just feels so incredibly wasteful. Like, mm-hmm. it's like it's like voling. It's so similar to voling as a mechanic. Who vols things that aren't like red maps in the first week of a league? Maybe you vol some uniques that drop that people use commonly. You know, maybe you vol your tomb fist or whatever. Not that those are particularly in meta right now, but just as an example. But other than that, you you're not you're not going to yeah. use those until the last month of a league. It's kind of the I kind of felt the same way when I was looking at it. It feels like this is their attempt to kind of refresh the corrupted mechanic is just kind of what it feels like their goal for it was. So I'm hoping as well, like my hopes are that as it you know sits and and you know cooks for a little bit, it'll feel a little bit better maybe. So I'm I, I'm hopeful as well. I, I hope that that's what they were trying to go for at least. I mean, you also yeah. have the the investment into passives. Sorry, please. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to interject no, no, that no, you no, get no. the investment. So, like, we don't know how good it will be with a fully maxed out blood crucible. Yeah, true enough. I mean, we're getting close to that point almost already. Uh, you know, I'm on the last tier myself, and I'm only level eighty nine. But at the same time, it is kind of an end game ideology, right there. Like corrupting items. Once you have a great item, corrupting it, the double corruptions, this is almost a variant of double corruptions because you could have a double corrupt and you could have this crangling going on at the same time. It's a very, very end game thing. So we're still in the rudimentary phases of it. But when Chris was talking about it as a leveling mechanic, to me, it didn't feel all that great. Because, okay, so, you know, he, he goes off about, uh, we made better items than we did compared to any of the leveling uniques out there. You're like, Sweet. Oh my god, okay. This is going to be a comparable to a gold rim, uh, to Wanderlust. No, it's comparable to Esmite Peak, which I don't think I've used once, even if I had the availability <laughs> of it. And the thing is also, once I get that item, I still have to crankle it while I'm leveling. So I don't get to put that item on. I get to put it in, in this little extra tab, cook it for, you know, a half an act or however long it takes me to actually cook that item. And then I get the item, which, you know, I did that, by the way. This happened when leveling. I found a leather belt. It's like, great. This one's going to be perfect. I'm going to crangle it. Awesome. It's got fire res on it. I need fire res. Perfect. Thanks for the 20 chaos res and minus 19 fire res once I'm done crangling it. (laughs) (laughs) About that. If you gave me an essence... Like another league mechanic that was relatively popular and still is, especially because of Haywork Hamlet these days, 
Um, but if you give me an essence, I know what that essence is going to give me. It's going to provide me with something that is at least useful enough for what the essence states on it. If it says I'm going to get cold res from a hatred, I'm going to get cold res, and that's what I needed. I am happy right now. But if I crangle the item and suddenly that cold res that I really needed is gone, suddenly it's not feeling so good during the leveling process either. So I just feel odd that it was sold kind of almost as that from Chris Wilson. But it really is more so, we all know it's an end game ideology. Yeah. I'm just confused that we can't choose gear that we have equipped to be sitting in the Crucible. Like, if the Crucible is, like, inserted into our character, why can't it just affect gear that we have equipped? That would at least help a little bit while leveling. And you could that progress was those items. could, like, invest into that and sure. have it so that you could at least put one of the items on and into the Crucible at the same time. Something now, like here's that. the thing also. As a hardcore player... If I die now, I lose two items because whatever I'm wearing and whatever's in that crucible are gone. <laughs> so no backups for this guy. I feel like they could have just they, they could have been more bold with the mechanic in general. You know, there's a lot of different things that could make it a lot more interesting in, in a ton of different directions. You know, they could have gone with much, much crazier passive points. Um, because the pa half the passive point tree is things like this item crangles faster, this item crangles faster, maps, jewelry, weapons, whatever. And those are fine. Um, they're kind of, you know, you just you just kind of have to click them. They're basically ne necessary, so they're foregone points. But you could have had something like, you know, you get a slot in your crangle device that you can put an item in, and when it's done, it either deletes the, bad, the, the downside mod or deletes the item. You know, you could have had more things like that that change how the mechanic functions at a core level in the later portions of the tree that would have been, like, actual opportunity cost choosing one over another. Um, mm -hmm. But I think they were, you know, a little afraid of having a, a tree that you couldn't take everything on. Sorry, I was a little bit of a rant there. No, no, no. no that's, a, that's a very valid rant, though, because Path of Exile is all about creating player agency. It's all about these positives versus these negatives. There's always a risk versus reward in PoE. If you pick up any sort of notable on the tree, you have a reward. If it's good for your build, it will reward you. However, for another build, it won't be faring so well. We have this throughout the whole entire game. That's its core ideology, right? And that's kind of what the ideology of the league mechanic is too. But these passives don't allow you for that, for to have that. It doesn't allow player agency either because it doesn't guide you in a way that your build is affected by what passives you choose on this crucible. Like you were saying earlier, there should be some sort of player agency of how you can get these crangled items or what you can gear them towards. Maybe having one of them where... I, I mean, the, the idea that you just said a moment ago sounds amazing, especially from a streamer perspective. That's the most fun thing. Double corrupting something is one of the most fun things to watch somebody do. Because you know they have such a high chance of losing that item. But having something, you know... If you click this passive, it'll be geared towards your items having physical damage, and it will definitely not have this either. Like, it won't have any poison damage or chaos damage, which is intrinsic to some builds, you know, having the ability to have both. But, you know, that little risk versus reward or just some sort of onus on the player would be nice. They, they didn't go bold enough. Yeah, and, like, I'm, I'm looking at the skill tree right now, 
And I think one of the the major flaws beyond what Octavian had said, where it's just like they're very like, yeah, you take that point, right? You know, you eventually will get it. It just feels like most of the stuff that they all eventually push towards is the weakest part of the mechanic, the weakest part of the league, which is the actual crangling of the items. The vast majority of this stuff in here just seems to be like 25% more corruption gained for armor items or weapons and quivers or whatever else it is, right? It's like they're pushing us towards the part that I'm honestly the least excited about when it comes to this league. I like the additional Crucible slot and the plus one Dream Furnace slot. That's all cool. Um, but like 5% chance for transforming to grant an additional beneficial modifier. I mean, on average, how many times is that going to take me to even get a beneficial modifier? Uh, an additional one and then for it to be good? Because like, I don't know if you guys have killed any of the bosses yet. But those uniques that the bosses drop with, like, double corrupted mods on them are just complete garbage 99% <laughs> of the time. I've never seen a good one. Not a single time yet. Uh, I've had a Skyver drop with uh, Culling Strike. Uh, not too bad, but it's like, yeah. I mean, not to mention the pile of rares that they spit out. It's such a demonstration of exactly how flawed the, like implementation of this mechanic is and I, I i've come off as pretty negative here i don't think the core concept is bad um i think it's actually a pretty interesting idea and i really like the demon slaying i think the the physical playing of the mechanic in maps is is really really fun so i think i think there's a great league mechanic here it's just the execution flopped a little bit like the numbers there's there's too many mods there's too many really severe downside and not enough powerful upside and there's just too many mods in, in general. But that's not an incredibly hard problem to fix, you know? This isn't something like Synthesis, where the core fundamental idea behind it was perhaps a little too wacky and out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. They have an easy path towards fixing it. They just need to actually fix it. I know they're like full work from home right now, I think, so yeah. those, those changes are going to come out a little bit slower, but... It seems like there is an easy path to fix it. I just, like you said, hope that they go more of the bold strategy instead of just, like, capitulating and being like, all right, here's some more currency and we're making it stronger. Like, I hope they do some some cool ideas, right? Yeah. But, I, I mean, they definitely um, oversold it a little bit and under... <clears throat> under buffed it or under it came out a little bit underpowered but i do like the approach of them releasing something in a lower power state and then buffing it afterwards over obviously releasing something in a state where it's too strong or even broken and then them having to tone it down afterwards and i think one thing that hasn't been mentioned with the the or maybe it has been but i haven't been following the discussion on reddit but like here on the stream right now in the comparison to um synthesis is that synthesis does replace the implicits or like it gives you a new implicit, but this this set of implicits with the scourge is on top of normal implicits of the items and like you mentioned before, the the double corrupt implicits that you could be getting. So it's like like a little bit icing on top and for the very top end to get like that tiny little power boost. And with the mechanic, with um with scourge, we also get a lot more ways to modify corrupted items so the corruption mechanic itself or the corrupted tag has been made less of a downside like it, corrupting an item used to be the final touch to an item and there was like outside of setting the sockets up you couldn't do anything anymore but now when it's corrupted you can still use the the new currency to modify things and you can still scourge it 
if the the corruption wasn't acquired by scourging in the first place. So I think at the very top end and with good luck, like the the outcomes can be good. It's just that they're not commonly good enough to make people feel good about them, especially while leveling. I felt. Yeah, I I mean I can see that line of reasoning that they wanted to keep the very top end from getting too crazy way out of control. Um, but in comparison to synthesis, I would say fractured items are a much more powerful tool than pre-crangled items that drop in the Krangleverse. And that provided at least a floor of you could get something decent that dropped on the ground, like a pair of gloves of the 75 life roll fractured that you could then essence craft and make something cool out of. And there's not really an equivalent to that with this mechanic. So if they wanted to go the route of having the device be basically exclusively for finishing top-end pieces of gear and making something really fantastic, then they should probably have made the items that drop pre-crangled much more impactful and exciting so that people who, you know, got disappointed by the crangled device could at least still get some itemization, something cool itemization-wise out of the mechanic akin to how fractured items were in Synthesis. Like, that ingredient just is kind of missing right now. Do you think it would have been fair to make the items drop well-rolled? Or when you put, like, a, a white item into the Crucible, it comes out rare in the end, right? You get a free elk, basically. But you give up control over the mods that the item has in its rare state. So they, the, they could have made them well-rolled, maybe? I love that idea. You could make that a passive point investment on the tree. Items have a 25% chance to be lucky-rolled when they're thrown into the device normal. And then they turn rare. And then that's a use for the Crucible device in the mid-game that isn't trying to perfect an end-game piece of gear. Also, yeah, sure, Krangle items should probably drop well-rolled and ten times less often, so they're actually exciting when they show up. Yeah, Agreed on all was, of those points. It was confusing to me when they're, they have this, like... Because they keep pushing this idea that they want items that drop on the ground to be good. And then they introduce this mechanic, which is just the furthest thing away from that that it could possibly be. Yep. And I, and it's like they're they say that they're afraid of the like well rolled item on the ground mechanic, and that's not the way they want to go about it. But it just seems like the answer is staring us in the face, and they're just trying to stay away from it. Is is what it feels like. So. Yeah. the The funniest part I think about this whole thing, though, is. I'm assuming most people just use Neversync's filter and kind of trust Neversync on that. And oh my god, that was the best debate because all these items drop with this great sound. It has, you know, the location. You see it on there. You're like, oh yeah, this is going to be crap. <laughs> okay, but no, this one's going to... Oh, <laughs> this went on for me for probably 24 hours until I was like, you know what? That sound is a sound of failure now. And... <laughs> I'm okay with that, I guess. I just got to live with it. Um, but having these items, you know, not drop well rolled, just drop with already being pre-crangled, it's, it's as if, you know, you, when you finish a Valsidere and you click, and it's not even a six-property item just sitting there on the ground that's already corrupted, it's one of those where you're just like, you know, when you're about to go into a Valsidere and it says, item drop from the Divine Vessel or whatever it's called will have a incursion modifier. And you're like, oh, that sounds great. And then the first time you do it, you realize, oh, it's a corrupted item with a incursion modifier, and that's useless to me entirely. That's how I feel with all of these. It's already pre-corrupted. It already has some Scourge modifiers, and those Tier 1 Scourge modifiers are often quite useless. And even if it's a Tier 2 Scourge modifier, that just means you can't like 
get it to T2 yourself, say if the T1 was decent, because there's such a variance with these mods that, yeah, sometimes I have to scourge it three times and still be disappointed with it. So I might just need to start at T1 always here. A third one takes so long. You can even... Another idea for a passive point could be 30% or 40% or whatever needs the number needs to be to be balanced chance for crankle items to drop non-corrupted. And, and that'll make items that have the Scourge mods that you could potentially craft on it. That's pretty cool. Even if it was limited to like a tier 1 corrupt or crangle, right? Just so it's not the most impactful item possible. Like, you can't just get this random chess piece that's, oh, this just has, you know, like, random keystone on it and it's craftable. Like, that would be too powerful, but, you know, limit it to just the tier 1s. But yeah, I, I, I just... I feel like hopefully they can improve it at least a little bit. Hopefully we can get something. Also, it I just, just love the fact... Oh, sorry, go for it. All I was going to say is, I, I feel like, once again, like I said before, it feels like they made the Vol currency and then they tacked a League onto it, is what it feels like to me. You mean the, the Tainted Orbs? Yeah. I feel like that was the concept that they had initially, that that's what they wanted to do, and then everything else seems to be like stacked on top of that right now, because it doesn't feel as well thought out. That was that, that's, that's how I feel about it. But they and can fix that. To me, it that, feels so exactly good. the other way around, where they made this mechanic that corrupts items and gives modifiers on top, and then they were like, yeah, but if people are going to corrupt all their items, then, then either we need to give them more Val Orbs and the, the crafts on the bench to modify sockets earlier, or we give them new currency to modify existing corrupting, corrupted items. I think it's a symptom of the game getting so bloated. I think they're looking for ways to not add more, like... 8% league mechanics to the game and they're looking for like trying to rebalance more systems and such which is not necessarily a bad thing as long as the systems are good a point that was just made in chat also that I felt the second they announced this and they started announcing all these different types of orbs like oh sweet so there will be currency spots for it Maybe next week. <laughs> There's never currency slots for, for template currency unless uh, yeah. they add locker or something like that for the league. But uh, unless it's yeah. going core, it, it doesn't get a slot in the currency tab. And we see that with the, the new Sacred Orb, which is the one for the variety bases, right? Where, where the, the base items can roll with a variety, like another layer of variance other than quality, basically. And that one did get a slot in the currency tab because that one is instantly core. My idea was that if they don't add a tab or a lockbox or whatever for it, you know, like the little icon, you remember how we got the little icon on the uh, on the Scourge page on the website? Just put that little icon on the currency tab and then you click it and it shifts to the tainted currency and then you can see all your tainted currency and then shift it back. But that doesn't make the money, so I'm not sure if the, I'm not sure if the money <laughs> people will like that. Yeah, actually, it now that like you mention it, it could have, they could have put slots into the Blood Crucible. Just, just next to the item slots, just on the bottom... For the currency, you can click the currency sure. in there. Yeah. Except for hardcore players, that uh, unless it was coded in a different way. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Die and lose all of it. <laughs> Just put it in each stationary. Yeah, exactly. Like, way to be lazy, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the fact that. Um, all of us are calling it like Krangle and Krangleverse and all that, and it's created just this awesome new term in Path of Exile, which I absolutely love, that it's universal. Everybody, the second you say Krangle, knows what you're talking about. Yeah. I just have this, I mentioned this on stream, but I have this idea that I want Chris Wilson to like beat Itsyoji to like the real trailers, 
because I just want to hear him being like, in Path of Exile Scourge, you'll put an item into the Krangle device and go to the Krangleverse to fight some monsters on the other side. You're like, yes, we've Rick and Morty'd this, basically. We're going interdimensional travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think it'd be good. Because he seems like the type, right? Like Chris, Chris seems like he, he enjoys... I feel like sometimes he enjoys the hate too. Like when he he always gets so excited when he's like watching chat, and they're like, "Ah, they're talking shit about me." <laughs> he just is full smiles while that's happening. So I I feel like he enjoys it to an extent. Yeah, very it rolls Reddit. Bad publicity, you know. <laughs> Love or hate, two sides of the same coin. Least people care. Yeah. And I mean, we, we play Path of Exile. Every person who plays PoE is a relatively passionate gamer, I think. So just to be able to see that passion, whether it's positive or negative in chat, I'm assuming for him is just the best thing in the world. Yeah, sometimes it's not important to have a, a positive response, but just a strong response. That's all that matters. <laughs> we have been relatively negative, though, towards the league in a lot of ways. But like, I also agree with what Catmaster was saying earlier. It, it isn't all negative. The animations look absolutely beautiful for everything that, that's uh, inside the Scourge realm. The monsters look awesome. It's this, pardon the term, but an absolute clusterfuck, though, when you go into it sometimes, which is, as a player, person who plays hardcore, that's one of my favorite things, right? That little adrenaline dump. When you push the button, you're like, oh, no, what have <laughs> I done? <laughs> yeah. Why am I here? I, I love uh, all of it. The only thing is, of course, visual clarity is obviously lacking because you jump into this this scourged realm where you're basically being ravaged by a bunch of monsters all at the same time surrounding you of a million of them the stun mechanic they added in i think that's phenomenal and that was a great way of them working on uh, i guess balancing that shift because if you were just attacked by a bunch of monsters instantaneously without any sort of response whatsoever unless you're a trapper or something that puts things down beforehand um, that would have been awful. But they created a really, really positive feeling league as far as its gameplay goes. And I think there's something huge to be said about that because it feels fun. Just uh, from one hardcore player to another, be careful of cannot be stunned maps. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it yeah. works on the stun from the warp. It's very scary. Oh, that yeah. might also, have been I'm the problem. Sure. I was going to say that the sure. circle for the stun, sorry, just one sentence. The circle yeah, of the yeah. stun was too small, I thought. Uh, but that might have been, I might have had, I might have rolled a cannot be stunned. But sometimes it feels like there's monsters just outside of the stun range, which will instantly attack you. But uh, Yeah, that's another issue. Stun range might need to be a little bit greater and also might need to by bypass the, uh, the map mod because I did that the other day. I'm like, oh, I'm toxic rain. Can't be stunned. Who cares? Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know, I, I'm, okay, I, I'm okay with it being more dangerous this league. It's yeah, yeah. shifts in and out of meta as to what's dangerous and what's not. Also, if you knock back um, blight mobs while they're on their path, they can get knocked off the path and run straight to the mushroom immediately. True. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. Don't, don't go into the scourge first when uh, when that's going on. But yeah, I just cut off ducks. You wanted to to make another point? Oh, um, I was gonna say uh, traps and stuff don't follow you. Uh, you you toss them down and then you go into the Krangleverse. They don't follow Damn. you, which is Toxic a little unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, brands do as well. Yeah, traps I guess are like their own entities or whatever. But I'll throw them down and they just disappear. Oof. 
ask them if they found the race car demon. Have you guys noticed how monsters that are in the Krangleverse will like follow you around and use their abilities even if you're not in? So you know the um you know the holy bolt animation? Like you know the, the holy bolt whatever modifier is? Is it a is it a nemesis modifier? I don't remember. Oh yeah, yeah. The physical projectile thing. Yeah. The, the so infernal bolt you... thing or no. Yeah, it's it's the holy bolt that like shoots like little projectiles at you. If you go in, aggro that mob, and then swap out, it just follows you around constantly. And you just hear the ability just going off a <laughs> hundred times in a row while it while you can't do anything about it. And that's for everything else too. And apparently minions like hold aggro on mobs that are inside of the scourge while you're outside of the scourge and they like try to target them, apparently. I don't know about that because oh. I don't play minions, but that's what people are saying. Yeah, my Herald of Purity dudes got real mad at a demon that I couldn't see and just kept attacking the air. <laughs> Schizophrenic ones, basically. Like, those are your schizo, like, Herald of Purity guys that are sitting there just attacking the thing that's invisible at that time. But you also have uh, things like volatiles. Volatiles oh, yeah. chase you. <laughs> like, once you go back into the regular world, that volatile joins you. And, oh. uh, if you happen to kill the volatile near where your starting point was, and you go back, and it's literally already on top of your head, yeah, it's still going to hit you. It's uh, <laughs> kind of scary. Those are all very useful details to know for my uh, migration back to hardcore as soon as hard mode drops. Uh, how have you guys found yourself uh, accustoming uh, to the... I mean, it's a completely new style of a mechanic because of the way that it puts you back into the starting location when you shift back, right? So it, it took me a while to wrap my head around that and to actually adjust my gameplay for maximum efficiency where, I don't know, in the beginning I, I used to pick up items while I was shifted into the nightmare and I also like kind of walked into places in the map that I hadn't discovered outside of the nightmare then i activated it and i walked into places that i hadn't discovered and then i had to walk in there again afterwards and it's just it's it's a little bit of a mind fuck for me um i like small optimization stuff when it comes to movement stuff like that like i enjoy that mechanic i know the overwhelming amount of people who are crying about it all hate it like they hate the idea of oh i have to go through and then i have to backtrack or i have to do this but I, I kind of like it myself. It's a personal thing, of course, but I have felt that most of the time it's better to just pop in, kill the stuff around you, and then pop out again. Or if you are wanting to progress through the map, you just try to move forward. I've also used it like while leveling. I think it makes a... I think there's potential to have, like... Uh, for speedrunners, I think there's potential to have quite a bit of time cut off of like actual whatever, because you can interact with things and then pop back afterwards. So, like, I know that I was doing that in, um, what's the one map? The map that has the big, uh, money golem at the end of it? What is that map? Vault? Uh, yeah, yeah, Vault. I know I was, like, going into the Krangleverse, clicking the thing, and then popping back and doing stuff like that. I think that kind of stuff is cool, but it seems like most people don't like it. So, I, I enjoy it, but also there is some, there's a learning curve to, to understand its efficiency, and I've gotten better with it so far but i think the biggest thing is if you actually do want to be truly efficient you just clear one screen at a time you don't 
run around in the Krangleverse so much. But you do lose a good chunk of, like, you know, there's the blood meter, and then you lose a little chunk of it the second you transition in. But it seemed to still be worth it because that fills up so quickly, and rather than even having those two seconds of a little dead zone that's in between the next pack while you're in the Krangleverse, it seems like just doing one screen at a time is actually the most efficient way of clearing the map because you will maximize the amount of mobs you get because you'll kill that screen, you'll push the button, you'll kill that screen again, especially if there's a blue pack on there, and then just rinse and repeat. So you are legitimately doing the map twice. There's also, um, I can't remember the exact value, but I believe there's a passive point which gives you increased corruption absorbed for each time you've entered the uh, the Krangleverse in a given map. So if you're doing that strategy of you know, jumping in, clearing a screen, jumping out, moving on, you're going to be jumping in and out a lot more frequently than if you're trying to clear as much as humanly possible with each jump. So it may actually just be more efficient for um, cooking your items to employ that kind of strategy instead. Yeah, and have you how much of the how much of the actual scourged maps have you guys been running? Because there's a couple modifiers that just seem I don't know how I feel about them. They're fun for the most part. I've only done like three though because they take forever to cook. Mm-hmm. They they really need to cook faster. But the ones that I've done have been pretty fun. Um, the most dangerous one I did was one that said lose 0.1% of life per second for each like percent of the blood meter that's full. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had me like frantically jumping into the alternate reality every time I had the opportunity because was, it, was, it was like I was playing RF without very good max fire res. Have you ran into the one that says you always enter when you hit maximum blood sacks? I don't feel that that one was tested at all because it feels miserable. Oh, you, um, so what happens is is that you can only enter the realm, you can only enter the scourge realm when you're at maximum stacks, right? But you auto enter at maximum stacks, and you can only lose blood stacks by killing mobs in the other realm. So what happens is is if you end up in this position where there's no mobs in the other realm for you to kill and you're at maximum stacks, every time you exit the realm, you kill one mob, you immediately go back in. Over and over and over and over and over. And you can't actually clear the map. Like, with any speed, you kill one mob at a time. Every And it's got like a four-second <laughs> cooldown to get out. I just, I like, it happened immediately, and I'm like, what is this? I can't do the map. Like, I, I can't fight anything. That's, that's great. Yeah, it's just... I assume like, you had, like, 400 stacks of the debuff at some point. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, what do you do? Um, I got the same one that Octavian got. Um, basically, I got on the map, and I, I don't have very much regen on the character, and I was thinking, okay, so I just need to shift in and out really quickly. Like, I need to shift in there the second I can. And I get in there, I start killing mobs, and I'm like, oh, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine, I'm having no problems. And then I hit 50%, and I'm like... Oh, now it's active. Oh, no, no, no. Go in, go in, go in. Because my health just started plummeting real quick. And there's like another one where when you go in, you get 3,000 lightning damage dealt to you. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, uh, resists minus that out. But there's a couple of them that, uh, the way that Octavian mentioned also, like, I just don't feel comfortable with some of them. It, it, I've gotten to five and there's nothing wrong with it. And then I get to six and suddenly it's like, Oh, I lose 300 health per second. Cool. Uh, I don't. I'm not a leeching build. I'm not a high regen build. I just. I die now. Okay. 
<laughs> I just that's that map's gone. I don't do it on this character. I do it for another character, maybe. That one that deals flat damage to you on entering and uh, like shifting into and out of nightmare. That mod goes up to six thousand flat damage, I believe. I have a map with six thousand flat fire damage taken on on entering and leaving, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's only fifteen hundred with seventy five percent fire resist, so that should be fine. But then I on the map that I have it on, it's it says only shift in and out of nightmare randomly. So and I haven't tested it, but like it seems like a really bad idea to. I don't know. What, what is there a cooldown to the random yeah. shifting? I've done I've done one of the random shift ones, so small sample size. To, uh, be warned, but it did not shift me back and forth that frequently. It was like you know maybe every twenty to thirty seconds I would shift in, which is pretty frequent, but wasn't you know it wasn't like five seconds go in, five seconds come out, five seconds go in, five seconds come out. Okay, so you usually recover what you what you lost by taking the damage before you sh the next shift occurs. Yeah, I mean if you have a if you have a build a decent recovery in some way, you can probably manage it. I mean, if I lose fifteen hundred on shifting, honestly, I'm gonna insta flask the moment that I shift because I'm I'm just scared that if I lose fifteen hundred out of my almost five k life, that I'll just get one shot by uh, whatever awaits me after the shift. It wasn't reliant on blood either. There was no blood meter in that map, like. It would oh. randomly shift you in and out without any any meter whatsoever. That sounds also, like going I, to the fair and going through one of the haunted houses, knowing you're about to get scared at any moment, but you just don't know when that moment's going to be. Yeah. Have you um? Have you uh? Have you guys seen any of the like super scourged maps, like the ones people where they scourge them like ten times or whatever it is? I saw one that someone showed me a picture of because we couldn't link at that time still, underscore. But um, <laughs> the uh, someone showed me a map where it says monsters take 105% less damage. And I don't necessarily know how that works. Like, I I'm not like uh, the biggest uh, on monster damage taken and stuff, but what does that mean? <laughs> you would you would need like pride or something right to even be I, able I, to damage them you'd, you'd need a multiplier on you'd their need, like, damage a, taken yeah like you'd need a enemies take more damage somehow to even to even harm them right it could be like increased it would it would have to be more it couldn't be increased because be more, the less yeah. multiplier would would happen after all of the increased i believe or the, the increase taken so vulnerability yeah, so I, or something if you're fizz I think vulnerabilities increased, right? Is it? I think Pride is the only source of more damage taken that I know of. There might be another that I don't, that I'm not familiar yeah, with. Yeah, because I saw that map and I was just like, how were how you meant to do that? Because they said that they didn't want there to be any build disabling type stuff to be in those <laughs> modifiers. That's and 105% less damage taken sounds pretty build, uh, you know, it sounds pretty <laughs> devastating to most builds in the game, I feel. It's just, just a little bit. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, how do you guys feel just, about um, even, even the regen ones are build disabling already to an extent. If you don't have a specific amount of regen, you just can't do some of those maps. And that the highest I've gotten is like corruption six. And once I hit that modifier, I'm like, well, never mind. <laughs> Let's uh, put the next one in. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you can get to like I, I don't know. It seems like those higher stacks of scourge maps just seem. They seem like bait for people who are in softcore trade that have like the multiple multiple mirror builds and things like that because a lot of those modifiers just seem absolutely insane. 
Um, the question I was going to ask is, uh, I, I think I think we've talked about pretty much everything about Scourge. How do you guys feel about the new skill tree and stuff? Like the new defensive layers and such. Are you enjoying it? I enjoy that the Granite and the Jade Flasks are back up to... Uh, I mean, that's not really exactly the passive tree, but that's the, the change to how the Evasion and the Armor formula work. And I enjoy that they're basically back to their old power level. That low amounts, like Evasion and Armor, are basically twice as effective as they were before. As in, they bring you to the same amount of fizz mitigation or evasion rating that you would previously have gotten with half the amount of uh, evasion or armor respectively i really like that um about the tree itself i find the mastery is intriguing and i love that's completely purely cosmetic but i love this little animation when you allocate things on the passive tree that they like slowly it's like 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 a piece of paper burning something like that um I know this is a little off topic. I just, I'm going to go off topic for like 10, 20 seconds and we'll go right back to it. No, um, no we can go. Oop. The, I, I, I think the only way you could kill a monster in 105% less damage taken map would be if you use Conversion Trap and Infernal Legion. And you convert <laughs> them and make them burn to death. <laughs> uh, okay. There's minion instability to make them blow up. <laughs> I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep that in mind for if I ever see you go. <laughs> you know what? You've, you're just going to buy out all those maps. All of those ones. <laughs> make that one build. Conversion trap finally viable. The passive that tree. All yes. of Grandmaster's build, basically. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. That is good. Um, the, the passive tree. I, I like the mastery system overall. I feel like it's... Um, there's a couple of masteries that feel overloaded to me in terms of the strength, and some that feel a little underserved. Like minion masteries are the big one that people have talked about. I, I completely concur with folks who've been talking about that. I think minion masteries, even if some of them are numerically like okay, are just not very interesting um, when compared to something like axe masteries, where you get stuff like you know interesting, cool stuff like corpse removal or rage generation or onslaught effect. And yeah, I I don't know. It's a first pass at the system though, so I kind of understand that. Like, especially given they were designing a whole league at the same time as implementing a whole bunch of other quality of life stuff and making Uber Endgame. So if this had been, like, if they didn't have Uber Endgame and if they didn't have all the quality of life passes and, and rebalancing of things like Delve and all that, I'd be more annoyed <laughs> that the balancing here was a little out of whack. But given how the sheer volume of stuff thrown into the game with this patch, it's a little more understandable that it probably needed some more polishing. Yeah, I, I agree with, with most of that. It does feel like some of the masteries are a little strong. And uh, also that I I was kind of wrong on this because I was going off of what POB was giving us and POB wasn't updated like super consistently on some of the armor and like evasion formulas and stuff like that early on. So I didn't really know, but Determination and Grace are very strong right now. It's ridiculous how strong just those individual auras, even with nothing else, like, even with no other scaling, just that aura in a flask is ridiculously powerful right now. It's, it's actually insane. I joined a party with a guy who was running Determination, and my Molten Shell went from, like, a 2.9k shield to a 7k shield. It's reasonable. Yeah, yeah like, I was sitting there playing the, the, my Fish Trapper, right? And it mainly scaled evasion, uh, you know, spell suppression, all of that. And I just had the idea, I'm like... What if I replace Fizz with Determination? What's that going to look like? And I just toss Determination on instead of, instead of that. And I'm like, well, what happens if I just go put on the, the Cirrus helmet, right? 
And all of a sudden, I can take, like, with 4,300 health, I can take, like, a, a 9,000, 10,000 fizz hit all of a sudden, just with those two things, and that's it. Not even with the flask on. So it's like, you can just, like, toss armor onto an evasion build now with just one aura. And if you're near a mastery, like, the fact that I can run Grace Mastery and it's half cost, and then Skitterbot's Mastery and it's half cost, and... It feels like I can run so many more auras, and I'm not as worried as I was previously about fizz spell damage, at least, so I'm super happy about that. But I think it might be a little strong. Yeah, yeah I really like yeah, the... What, what the... Oh yeah, please score first, tricks. Oh no, sure you're not going to steal my point. <laughs> uh, probably not, and I'm not, I'm not very big-brained here. So, uh, I was just simply going to say, they, they definitely threw that out there, and and... I guess are trying to bring back a bit of resurgence to those types of uh, of mitigations like evasion and armor. That was a bit, a bit of their big point when it came to their second um, their second big announcement of the the passive changes of or well the changes into Path of Exile. Like when they put that out there, everyone's like, "Oh no, they're getting rid of dodge." It's like, yeah, but they I I don't like the idea of getting rid of dodge myself personally. But they added in spell suppression. They added in so much more evasion they doubled the rating of it basically they doubled the rating of of armor as well like at first that is going to feel overtuned until we start getting to some of the content that they're now producing because their ceiling just got so much higher so now maps and things like that which last league were you know our end game are significantly smaller in the grand scheme of things so and we were talking also about scourge as well about crangling items and it feeling slightly underwhelming. But again, now that we have this aspirational content and things like that that are being introduced to the game, the ceiling's so much higher. So the potential of needing these items to just have that absolute perfection is going to be there. And our baseline has had to increase as well based off of that, which determination and grace kind of play into as well. Because now when we're mapping, sure, we, we feel pretty good. We feel pretty strong just by adding in these small layers. But again, the ceiling is just so much higher at this point, too, that we're probably feeling great about it right now, and then we start moving on up and trying this new content and go, oh yeah, shit, none of that really mattered. <laughs> I'm curious to see like how much damage is actually done in some of the like significantly higher content, because at least for Scourge, I've noticed that it doesn't have any DR, right? Like, the Scourge stacks that you get, the, mo the mobs don't get any, like, scaling DR in any way, right? It's just damage done, right? So, that kind of lends me towards thinking that scaling the current League mechanic, at least, seems like it's going to be, like, you want more clear, you want more damage, because at a certain point, I mean, when you start getting to, like, 200, 300 stacks, like, my character is mainly evasion type base so when i was getting i was like i think i was in like seven or eight tier maps and we were getting like 200 300 percent somewhere around there i mean i was getting one shot instantly right at that point I, I didn't have the determination scaling or anything but i'm i'm assuming in tier 16 maps or whatever else you want to go beyond that if you're scaling that kind of stuff i'm pretty sure it's just going to kill you instantly and good luck doing it with delirious too um like 100 percent delirious maps with scourge that's gonna be fun I've, I've dipped my toes into a little bit in T15s and 16s. I've been able to push uh, 120 to 130 at like the highest before it started getting a little too spicy and I couldn't go back in. But you know, I'm I'm missing defensive layers. I could I could scale some more max res. I could scale some more block. I could scale some more armor. 
So I, I think it will be something that, you know, we can deal with. But on the flip side of that coin, I am playing the Ascendancy that is undeniably buffed the most by the changes. Like, Champion got mega buffed. So maybe when I swap over to my next build, which is probably going to be a Berserker, it'll be a different story. <laughs> probably a little bit. <laughs> going from I, Champion to Berserker. I think Berserker is really good now. Defiance is an excellent node. It's so easy to get rid of the downside, and the armor is insane. But yeah, I, I, won't, I won't get on that soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel like also we kind of started both with uh, with the upper echelon of strength in hardcore. So our opinions right now of how things feel <laughs> are going to ch change substantially when we play anything else. <laughs> yeah, I just quickly wanted to say uh, that I really uh, like what the masteries are trying to accomplish, even though they may not be in the perfect spot right now they need some adjustments some things a little bit too strong some things a little bit too weak maybe but like overall i really like the system of having a number of effects that you can reach from anywhere on the passive tree where there is a cluster of a given type and the fact that it's not gated behind rng to get that like say on a cluster jewel or uh, the, the most notable uh, example is on the elemental mitigation clusters I don't know the exact name, but the, the ones where you can get elemental avoidance and resist, max res and stuff like that, you can get corrupted blood cannot be inflicted on you on the mastery. And that's obviously the first thing that you pick. And you're not, you're not relying anymore on having to get as many jewels as possible and corrupting them all. And basically the first half of the league sinking all your Val orbs into that just in order to get mm -hmm. that corrupted blood cannot be inflicted on you on an implicit. And it's not completely removed either as a chase, right? Because you could still get that jewel and then refund out of the mastery, get a different mastery, or just do something else with the passive point. Yeah, I, I like that. So just to clarify, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm using a cluster jewel yet, but clusters also receive the, uh, the passive mastery? No, no, cluster jewels don't have okay, any sorry. masteries. Gotcha. Sorry, that's, I thought that's what you had said at one point. No, no, I did swap. Um, they did swap some of the nodes around. There's a few nodes that are different on cluster jewels now, but besides that, no, they don't get masteries. And they also the opportunity cost for cluster jewels has kind of gone up a little bit now. I think there's a lot more builds that most likely won't feel as pressured to go cluster jewels, but they're still very powerful. Like um, for fish trapper, which is what I'm playing, clusters are like. 40% of my damage or something like that. And that's like 40% of my entirety of my damage. So they're still very strong, but the masteries have given a little bit more power to the tree. Definitely. Which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, most notably here, the brand mastery that I pick in my build has uh, access to the line brands attached to a new enemy each time they activate no more than once every 0.3 seconds, which previously was on a cluster jewel exclusive notable called Holy Conquest. That you, you were as a brand build, you were heavily pushed into farming cluster jewels as soon as possible so you could get that notable because it's incredibly powerful for some styles of brands. It's not super powerful for my particular style of brands because I use Ignite Proliferation. So I don't really need that to clear well. It does help though. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I just like that some of these key effects are not gated behind getting cluster jewels as soon as possible. Maybe they could even move more of the cluster jewel exclusive stuff into masteries. 
I think that would be fine as long as they go into the underpowered ones because um, there's there's a lot of masteries. Uh, I think it was Octavian that said it, right? There's a lot of masteries, which I just look at it and I'm just like, why would I ever take that mastery? Like, I can think of very few situations where it's like, is that worth a point? And historically, one point on the passive tree is typically not that big of a deal. So when I'm looking at something that's supposed to be nice... And I'm thinking, that isn't really even worth one point. It probably needs a little bit of a buff. What comes to mind? Do you have an example for that? I'm just trying to look here. Uh, off of the Most top of them of my look head, pretty good. Um, the minion ones are pretty terrible. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to pull it up. It's most of the smaller ones, I feel like. Say, like, the ones that are, like, full archetypes, like traps or, like, fire or cold or armor or evasion, those seem to be fine. But there's a lot of the hybrid ones that feel like they don't have very much in it. At least something that I'm like, damn, I really want that, right? Like, uh, Bow Mastery is one, for example, where there's, like, one or two sort of useful things in there, but... It's for, like, very particular builds. Like, I, I made a tweet around the start because I was like, oh, yeah, this Bow Mastery is really good for my build. But everybody's like, what do you mean Bow Mastery is good? It's terrible. And I'm like, well, yeah, for most people it's terrible. There's, like, this one build that can sort of make use of it, you know? And that's pretty much it. It's, it's things like that, right? Bows, like, yeah, the... 20% chance to gain phasing on kill and movement speed while phasing, I guess, would be good, but... I mean, I guess I guess it's an okay source of phasing, but it's on kill, and the main part of that that I would be like interested in is like eight percent movement speed. But when you compare that to like, I don't know, I look at like, oh, Grace is twenty five percent, you know, increased reservation, or I can look at like, you know, Energy Shield Mastery cannot be frozen if your Energy Shield recharge has started recently, or there's just so many other ones that I'm like, wow, that's a really cool note, and then Bow Mastery is like. Well, you get phasing, which is available on a lot of other stuff. Hmm. GG, somebody at GGG loves axes. There's they do. So, Absolutely. so many good axe ones. Yeah, the axe reason why I went for the build I did. You, you, you can get mentioned the rage, regenera uh, mm -hmm. rage generation, which alone there's, is insane. There's rage gen, corpse removal, faster bleed, onslaught effect, and 10% more damage against enemies on low life, which is essentially just 5% more damage because enemies are on low life half the time. That is like. All of them but one are super strong effects I would take as an affix on a piece of item, on, on a piece of gear somewhere. Like, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> They're very good. I, I felt the same exact way. I'm like, man, the, the Axe Masteries look absolutely ridiculous. It's too bad that there's not very many Axe builds right now. Um, there's a really interesting one. that I'm Mace try doesn't and... look bad either. Yeah. I haven't looked at Maces. But uh, there's a neat one that I'm going to try and make use of on my champ, which is um, on the armor and energy shield mastery. There's there's like two wheels on the tree that even has it. The Sanctum of Thought, though, over on the left. And it has defend with 120% of armor while not on low energy shield. And I'm like 90% certain if you don't have energy shield, as in you're at zero out of zero, you're not considered to be on low energy shield. Because you're only on low if you're at a 50% or lower of your ES, and zero out of zero is not 50% or lower. So that would mean good. that would mean you just have 20% more armor, essentially. Yeah, yeah I Which saw that one as well. Pretty cool. And armor is as strong as it is now. Yeah, I know. I I pulled up some POBs of like because I, I I tried to do like a 
a video where I was like showing off other content creators builds that I thought would be cool and I, I pulled up, I think it was Ruse POV and <laughs> I saw like maximum physical hit taken was like 170,000 or something like that I'm like wow dude what what is going on armor is ridiculous now Jesus. Yeah. The amount yeah, of this recharge rate you can get now, crazy. I haven't, I haven't really heard very many people talking about ES. I thought it was interesting because at first people were like, "Oh, dude, Blue Life is back." I haven't heard almost anything like uh, people it's, going it's only crazy a couple about of ES. Days. Well, wait two weeks, and then everyone's gonna be CI. I think you can do some cool stuff with Eternal Youth and ES recharge scaling. Get your ES recharge onto your life instead, because screw playing energy shield builds. Oh, true. <laughs> I, I, I don't enjoy ES builds. It's it's yeah, a little now ES armor hybrid might actually be really good with the with the new divine shield uh, recovery effect, and then the faster recharge being more available as a stat. The base recharge being better than it was before. I think there's some uh, nice stuff, but I know you're you're not a man of the the blue life builds. I am not, sir. That is a good idea, Octavian. I didn't even think about that. Because I've used Eternal Youth before. But yeah, that's that actually sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's just unfortunate that it's all the way on the left side of the tree. But we can figure it out, probably. Where is it now? Oh, that, here. The kicker is, you should, they're going to start delving soon enough, though, and start pushing delve a bit again. And so blue life will matter at that point for delving. Uh, you'll see a lot of CI builds start picking up at that point. Yeah. Isn't there some, like... Yeah, there's some build. There was some like they said that they broke delve again. I don't remember if that's the case. Like darkness there was farming. A, there was a standard build that I think they killed. I'm not super familiar with the standard meta, but it used Vol Immortal Call and had permanent mm -hmm. immunity to damage because of it. And they made the cooldown like they made the lockout timer super super long, like sixty One seconds minute, or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, no, nope, they'd cancel that out. They also killed the, the zero HP playstyle for Delve because they added a bunch of new monsters, among which flickering spiders and a new enemy source of, of burning ground, I believe. Oh, which will dang. instantly kill you. So like I don't think zero HP builds are going to be the the number one strat in Delve anymore. I blame the podcast for that. <laughs> I blame the podcast for with Chris for <laughs> It's like, oh, wait, the, the Grimmer how, how do you yes. play in Delve? Yeah, like, wait, how do you play in Delve? Oh, you do ZHP? Alright, <laughs> let's fix that. What are you guys doing to my mechanic? Excuse me? No one told me about this. Yeah. I just had a how dare you moment. Yeah. I think they also made Delve a thousand in Endgame grind this, this league. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've only seen, I think the most recent, like, ping I've gotten was 500, which... Seems really low for for like even just a couple days into the league, but I guess that's I guess that's where they're at. Well, the scaling is hugely different now. I think five hundred is the equivalent of old a thousand, right? Something oh, like now that, that we're talking, as we're like talking, that. the first person hits uh, depth five hundred in software trade. Yeah, something like that. It was like five hundred. It was the last ping that I had seen. Uh, I think it was today. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm still not much of a delve boy. Unfortunately, it's never really been. I always, it's, people can hate me for as much as they want for this opinion, but I've always felt that Delve is just like, oh, you want to play Diablo 3 within Path of Exile? Go for it. That's how, that's how I've always felt about it. It's not for me. I wasn't really into Delving until I did the Endless Delve race, which, to be honest, you know, was, was good for a day or two. I, I don't think if, it, uh, if I wanted to play that for a full week, I would have been able to last the whole week through it. But you know, I found a little bit of more new, newfound respect for Delve. 
And I was like, cool, I'm finally starting to enjoy and understand this mechanic a little bit better. And then I got back into the league and I'm like, oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I can I feel like skipping it again. <laughs> yeah, I just it's just not for me. I'd like to see Ol eventually though. I fought him maybe twice in the entire time that I've played Pee-wee, I'm pretty sure. And uh maybe he is like actually reachable now. Yeah, he's more common. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for a couple of reasons, like the scaling is constricted, so you don't have to go as deep, and they also just made him more common. I think they just buffed his occurrence rate. Yeah, I always felt really sad because, like, I enjoy like I always really like leagues like this one, and I always get excited for leagues like this one, particularly because they add like new things, like all the new in-game aspirational content. I was always sad that I just felt like I could never really just go see Ol or fight him when I wanted to. You know, it always kind of made me uh. They did also add a new collection of modifiers that are boss-specific, though. Um, we've seen one of them, oh, wonderful. as far as I'm aware, which is uh, boss always deals critical strikes. <laughs> which is very scary. Uh, well, there's yeah. that uh, one note, if you if you utilize poison whatsoever on the claw uh, claw mastery. Right. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, and there's a lot more... You does not deal critical strikes. There's a lot more crit protection in general. Like it's there's a mastery on armor wheels for reduced crit damage. There's uh, I believe shields, armor shields can roll reduced crit damage taken. Brass dome plus five max res as well. I remember that claw mastery because looping back to the beginning when I adjusted your uh, your helix build for three point sixteen three, people pointed that out to me that I can just pick that cluster cluster even though. I mean, that one was, a, I think, a claw build, but even if you're not a claw build, if you just poison, it's not a waste to pick it up because for three nodes, if you pass uh, path past it already, and it's a very common uh, location, you, know, you usually pass path past that, you can get for three points, you get 10% chance to poison on hit with attacks, not 20, and 10% dot multi. And then, yeah, there's, there's claw-specific damage with ailments and attack speed with claws. But uh, it, it's even good for a non-claw build. Or you could even go with just 10% chance to poison on hit and uh, 5% poison duration. You know what was another mastery that someone at GGG probably really likes, but it's unfortunate that there's no builds for it? Dagger Mastery. Dagger Mastery is pretty overpowered too. There's a lot of good nodes in there. Just like crits have Culling Strike. Like no, not daggers, just 16% free spell suppression. Hmm. Like there, there's there's a bunch of cool nodes in there, but like it it all it all revolves around attacking with daggers, and no one does that. I kind of probably convert it, couldn't you? I kind of wanted to try some sort of white wind build this league because it I got a whole those. it got like a whole ton of spell suppression on it. Like it'd be really easy to cap mm-hmm. spell suppression on a white wind build, but I had not come up with a build for it yet. Yeah. All about uh, Varanastra, which is in the global drop pool now, I believe, True. after the removal of uh, Parandas. Yeah, you might be able to do that. You can yeah, get the dagger, dagger masteries. Well. You can get the dagger masteries and the axe masteries. Yeah, and the there claw you go. Masteries. And the claw masteries. Yep. And then you can look at uh, you can look at the accuracy mastery and cry a little bit. No. I'm going through the list of masteries slowly now as we talk, just to see which ones are terrible. You think the spell suppression ones actually kind of help to carry spell suppression as a mechanic? There's not. There's like two wheels on the tree that give you spell suppression masteries, mm-hmm. but there's you can get 50% crit reduction out of one of them. You can get um, just an extra 10 spell suppression, I believe, mm-hmm. like if all yep. of your gear is evasion-based. Debilitate is sick. With um, So this is this is a build that I'm planning on making at some point this league to like farm Cyrus and Hardcore, 
If you run Saboteur with full 100% Spell Suppression, a Kongmings, and the Spell Suppression Mastery, you take 60% less damage from, from Cyrus and 45% reduced damage before accounting for res or Fismet. Because everything he does is a spell. So oh, you, is that you, true? Yes, literally everything Cyrus does is a spell, except, I guess, the Storms. But all of Cyrus's abilities directly are spells. I'm um, fairly certain there's a lot of builds that are going to be able to tank the Meteor at this point. I don't know if it would do that because meteor is big. <laughs> I I don't want to find out. Maybe if I maybe if I die, I can try it in standard and find out. I'm not trying it in hardcore now. No. <laughs> From the but, numbers, um, I'm it, I like, can probably oh, could actually do it. I could probably just face tank die beam and lose like maybe a thousand health or something. I'd have to go and look and, and find the numbers and do the math. But I'd be surprised if it does any sort of damage to a build with those layers. Yeah, my thought is like it shows that we could with the numbers, but I know the second in hardcore that I try, it's going to crit. And then <laughs> Well, that's why you get the, the crit reduction from the spell suppression mastery yeah, hey, that you pick up you on the know. tree. Hey. But I already need the two percent. That's part of the calculation. Oh, no. oh I actually haven't calculated that in. Uh, somebody did actually in my, in my chat uh, the other day and they were they were telling me about it. And so when we looked at the numbers, it was like, okay, this is actually is possible, but I'm still not going to do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I wonder if... 15? I wonder if the um, Maven explosion is a spell hit. I've seen some people mm. tank that before. Did you know but... that, that that spell, or ability, or whatever, has a line of text that says minus 9,000% player block and player dodge chance? <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely not allowed to block or dodge it. Uh, why minus yeah, nine thousand though? Why, why not just cannot be blocked or dodge? I don't know. <laughs> so Brittany in uh, her not her last bingo, but the one before that, uh, that was one of the the bingo nodes to withstand Maven's Maven's whatever you want to call it AOE mm, ability. Game? Yeah, the memory game. I guess the memory game explosion. Um, but that was one of the the bingos, and so <laughs> to look into that, yeah, it was possible. I think it was a uh, Pathfinder flasks up and all that that would do it. But Ooh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to to go and do that. <laughs> Maven memory game is forty two to sixty three thousand fizz. Always ignites. Always shocks. Four thousand base fire and cold damage over time, and a hundred percent of all conversion. And it causes three of those bursts. Oh, it's it's actually multiple hits. I didn't even know that. It says causes three bursts is what it says on PWDB. So, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's a lot of damage, just a little bit. Hmm. Curious to see that in Gauntlet. <laughs> As chat is pointing <laughs> out. Uh, also, someone in chat said that transcendence was now minus minus fifteen max res, but I think that's fair because like. Most people would use Transcendence, or at least now with the minus 15, than with the uh, Law Weave. So you completely negate the downside by just wearing a chest piece. Where's Transcendence now? I, I have to regularly uh, look for the new, notable, uh, the, yeah, new notable positions. I have no idea where they moved. I haven't learned uh, how does, yet. I haven't, I haven't done any Transcendence stuff. How does Lore Weave and Transcendence interact? Does it interact positively? 
Yep. Well, the transcendence has a downside of minus maximum res, and law weave puts your res at a, a specific value. So no matter how much minus max res you have, you always add the the max res that law weave specifies. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of what is it? The the other notable that means you can only block fifty percent or yeah, it's an imbalance guard or whatever it is. Yeah, I was thinking about that. All right, never mind. All right, transcendence is, is, is not transcendence? Even on the tree. It's it's uh it's on the militant faith cluster uh, timeless yeah. jewel. Yeah. I was just gonna ask him. I thought it was a timeless jewel one. Usually, the issue with transcendence were, and lore weave was that like the lore weave was not a great source of armor, but you have like determination now for a bunch of flat. I mean, you still would probably prefer a higher armor chest piece, but it's an easy way to get around now, the right? side. But brass dome will just increase your max res by five rather than putting it at a set point. Yeah, I know, but it's more so like that it has, you know, no damage from crits and it has like, what, sure. like 6,000 armor or something like that on it? It's got some it's ridiculous amount. With the new mana reservation efficiency stat, uh, it's probably also easier to fit in purities alongside determination. Mm, and yeah, you wouldn't be using true. a damage aura, but you could do triple purity determination probably relatively easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. And that was another fun one to use for some people while leveling too, like utilizing purity of elements. So it's you you get your uh, your ma or like resistances that you require once you you kill Katava, and now you can just click strong boxes and not have to worry. Perfect. Yeah, I was curious to see how the um because I've never really been a fan of like pride ools most of the time, like the the amulet, but the purity of elements one is actually pretty decent, and now that purity of elements is a respectable aura right it seems like a pretty uh seems like potentially there might be a couple other good ones yeah oh also um go ahead no go ahead <laughs> i was gonna change topic completely so um how did you guys feel about the new belt that they introduced because i actually had my opinion changed by grimro because i wasn't looking at it the right way but um, originally, I thought the belt was kind of whatever. But before I before I go into it, how do you guys feel about it? And I'm sure you, I'm sure you know the belt I'm speaking of. Mage blood, or are there other belts? No, it's 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 that's it. The the flask belt. I I think it's blatantly op. Yeah, because um, the the thing about it was that when I originally looked at it, I didn't think for some reason my mind didn't go to well. Well, they're permanent, right? So just cover the bases that you don't want to have to cover on your other gear with the flask instead of just making the flask stronger, right? Like use... If you got some flask effectiveness or something like that, right? And then you just put on a bismuth flask, it's like, there you go. There's all of your flasks. That's all of your resistance for the entirety of the build that you need. But I wasn't looking at it that way, right? Because you can do what? It's like 60% effectiveness that you can put with uh, whatever the orbs are, one of the new orbs, and then if you scale like any flask effectiveness whatsoever, it's just like ridiculous amount of resistance and ridiculous yeah. amounts of crit, etc. There's a very, very good uh, Project PT video where he uh, spreadsheet, uh, spreadsheets it out in a, in a Google Sheet how much you can gain from it from the different flasks. And yeah, enkindling orbs are insanely strong with the belt on the flask because you don't get the downside at all. I mean, you do get the downside, but you can't use the flasks anyway, so it doesn't matter that you're not gaining charges. It's a low price. Hmm? It's super customizable, too, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, you're going into a super-duper Kula Breachstone run, and you just throw an amethyst flask on there. Why not? Mm -hmm. 
And my the carpal price tunnel loves it. <laughs> yep. I've never I, actually had problems with my keyboard hand, though. Same. I never, I, I never have. It's always been my mouse hand that I've had problems with. Always one of my right-click finger. I'm pretty sure, nonetheless, I'm still going to piano flask, even if I somehow acquire this belt ever in like this, this small league environment that I'm playing in. Yeah. Just, I'm so just used to it. <laughs> built into your muscle memory to just slam the keyboard every couple of seconds. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Mage Blood is a, a very solid like addition to the game, though. Like, uh, it is it is pretty obviously OP. Uh, I think I think is the word you used, Catmaster. Like it's it's disgustingly strong. It's stronger than pretty yeah. much anything else in that gear slot. But it has to compete save with Head maybe Headhunter. But like even even Headhunter, it has upside. Like it's it's more consistent than Headhunter. It's obviously better in single target. Like it's it's uh, it's a strong argument for the strongest belt and one of the strongest items in the game. But like that's what people have been asking for, right? Yeah, how many chase. how many podcasts did we have where people were asking for chase items, asking for you know, top ends uniques specifically in a lot of cases to chase for because we have, you know, crazy customization with rares, but people want an emblematic unique item to push for and chase for on the, the par of Headhunter. And as far as an implementation of that, I think Mage Blood is a really cool way to do it. Yeah. And it, 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 it's great that it is in the belt slot because it, you can't use it at the same time with Headhunter. True. Well, even though with Headhunter, like, Generally, you have such high clear speed that it doesn't really matter that you you would still have uptime on flasks all the time if you were to use them. But a lot of people just wanted flasks. I think Balor has specifically been asking for a way to make to turn flasks into charms, basically, so that he doesn't have to use them, so he doesn't hurt his hands. Need to tell him to get lower actuation force. Uh, what's it called for his keyboard? Get him some speed silver so that he just has to like barely even breathe on them and they'll push. I mean, he has compression gloves, like medicinal compression gloves, and I, I, I'm sure he also looked into other optimizations. Like, it would be surprised if he was using like a, a keyboard that requires a lot of force to push the keys down, but I don't know. I gotta give um I gotta give credit to Havoc here specifically because he was the one that like reminded me about it, but I actually feel. Like, when it comes to the whole ergonomics and, like, damaging yourself kind of stuff, like pain, like wrist pain and such from playing video games for so long, it is so underrepresented how powerful just actually training your, like, hands, like, strength training your wrists and your hands and your arms and stuff is. It's It helps so much more than almost anything else, and nobody ever talks about it. They always talk about mitigating, but not actually, like fixing it right yeah it's something that I, I i wish that more people would be willing to do because i see people in my chat all the time my hands are broken i can't play poe it's like well have you tried this oh no i didn't think about that yeah yeah my problems became only only really bad over the course of the past year and that's exactly the the amount of time that i've dropped going to the boulder gym regularly mm. because of uh because of the pandemic stuff and like before that i barely had any problems and also, even if you're not training, what really helps a lot is like doing regular wrist stretching exercises, like stretching like this, like uh, this. I, I always do that. I show it on camera properly, putting it down on the on the chair like this, and stretching this way, and then stretching this way, and stretching the the fingertips away from your body and uh, towards your body, like all four variations: back, front, away, and towards your body. 
That always Chad always, does a gets, lot. Uh, Chad always gets weirded out when I do this because like of how naturally flexible I am. But like my fingers on my hand go to like there relatively comfortably. It's actually it's actually really hard for me to stretch because I just have like such high natural flexibility. It's kind of a problem. I, I know so, it's like you know like it, it's it's like complaining about having a good thing, but still you know like chat chat always gets a little freaked out whenever I do that. But yeah. So this is a funny little tangent. Uh, pardon the next minute, but um, I was a registered kinesiologist before. Um, I did my kinesiology degree at uh, the University of British Columbia, and funny enough, I. <laughs> being the nerd that I am and being the gamer that I've always been, um, I remember doing projects. Uh, you'd have to sit in research methods classes uh, where you're presenting research information. Because I used to work at the sensory motor lab at University of British Columbia. And so one of the things that I would present for my research was usually gaming related. I remember sitting in a group of my peers and we all have to share exactly what research projects we're working on, what we're looking towards uh, getting pitched, basically. And they would do things like you know, oh, uh, I'm a soccer player, so turf versus uh, regular grass on ACL injuries. I'm a wrestler, so shoes versus no shoes when uh, dealing with ankle-related injuries. And then they look over at me, and I'm like, I'm looking at the ergonomics of a gaming environment using ART to be able to actually visualize uh, any potential damage that might occur from an er a non-ergonomic setup. They all just look at me as if I'm this crazy person in the room, like, you're sorry, you're what? Yeah, uh, video games. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, though, like if if I'm if I'm thinking like as a capitalist, yours seems way more easy to monetize if that's what you're looking for, right? I mean, like theirs is just like not as many people play soccer as people nowadays play video games. So I don't know, dude. They can they can be weird. They can be weirded out if they want to. It's fun. There is more money in soccer still, probably, but. Uh... Yeah, the, I mean, the joke that friends and I had was they. I got a couple of buddies who are physiotherapists now, and they're like, "You know what? We used to play Dota. We used to play StarCraft. I think people are having uh, some hand and wrist issues. What if we pitched ourselves as the physiotherapists for an esports team?" <laughs> there are some so, teams that have them. Yeah, there are now. Yeah. <laughs> It's always, it's always funny when something like that happens. Like, I, I could almost see it on your face. You're like waiting. Like, I actually have experience in this. And I, I thought you were going to say something like, <laughs> no, all of you are wrong. Stop talking. Stop talking out of your asses. No, no, not waiting. at all. I, I was waiting for that. <laughs> it is important to do what's known as prehabilitation. But one of the things, sorry, I just want to touch on something that was said in chat. It's like, but people already work on computers and there's always research on that. Not when it comes to video gaming, uh, because... Say if you're using a console, you have a narrowed posture because you're using a controller constantly. You also sit for longer periods of time. Um, therefore, your posture changes uh, while seated compared to when you're actually sitting at a desk. You will get up and take breaks more often when you're working compared to sitting and playing video games and degening like we do for hours and hours. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, postural differences, couch versus if you're sitting at a computer desk, things like that. I was just going to say the, the couch versus computer desk. It's not even, a com I mean, doesn't even compare like on a computer desk you can you can sit ergonomically for hours on a couch you're you're heavily incentivized to just fall back into the couch and but one thing i wanted to still talk about that we haven't really touched upon is the more streamlined endgame atlas progression only 100 new unique maps uh, non-unique maps and uh 
only four zones. How have you guys uh, liked that so far? I'm kind think... of like... Go ahead. I no, 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 go ahead. All right. I, I think I'm torn on how the initial Atlas progression is best done now, because they're like... Most people had used the the leapfrog strategy for for getting through initial watchdowns, getting them done. But now that there's half of the regions, it it almost feels like I'm tempted to start trying to push for the word of it map equity earlier. Now that I can fill in everything so easily, so quickly, I'm kind of torn on what feels better early on. I I don't know yet, but I feel like there's some kind of there's something to filling in the map equity immediately and not having to like trade up your maps or whatever it is. So that's what I've been going with, and it's it's working, but um, I don't know about you guys, but map drops feel a little worse this league than last league, if we want to start some conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, every time, every league, people say that because you don't have the, the full completion yet, and later with completion, it's going to be great, I feel. But I wanted to mention that, uh, yeah, Karf uploaded a new video for this, the smoothest progression he's ever had. And he specifically said, I haven't watched the video yet, but he specifically said it's not a leapfrog strat that is the best in his opinion. And uh, congrats, congratulated Path of Exile on doing a good job with the Atlas rework because it shifted the, the meta. What is the best? Yeah, you gotta I, feel bad kinda... for Karf, though. The amount he's put into his Atlas stuff. In the past, like, year is spreadsheets and everything, and now they're slightly obsolete. I, I, felt the, I felt the same way about um, PeeWee Lab. If the lab goes away in PeeWee 2, I actually have thought about that a couple of times. I'm like, I feel real bad, because, like, Suit Size Small and whatever the team is there that have been just pushing that for so long, if the lab just does go away, it's like, man, that's... That's pretty sad for them. <laughs> I can only imagine Suit Size Small the day the lab is gone. It's like, I'm finally free! <laughs> I don't know if it'll be a happy thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the very first, probably a breath of relief. Because that dude has been working hard on PUE Lab, doing all the four labs every day for the past, I don't know, 700 yeah. days or so? When was the, the last Years. time someone else? Years at this point, yeah. And then the and then the bills show up and it's like, oh, my passive income is uh not as high as it used to be. Hmm. Oh yeah. Hmm. True. Ad revenue yeah. on the lab. I didn't think about that. Hmm. That might be a, a little bit of a sag there. That that was the whole point I was trying to make. <laughs> it's like, hey, this uh this job that, you know. <laughs> giving me some passive income to exist here is uh, just going to kind of disappear now. Un unlucky. Got to find a new, uh, a new niche in the game to cover, I guess. Then. You know, like you said, I, I, think, the new, I think the new Atlas is very good. I, I, I very much so enjoy it. It is a little strange, I guess, now that you just kind of pop up on Cirrus at Awakener 8 now. Like, I feel like some people first getting into the game and first reaching that for the first time might feel slightly overwhelmed, but it's probably only going to be here this league and that's it, because most likely mm -hmm. next league they're going to give us something new. So I, I don't think they care. But um, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see in my chat, like, I got to Cirrus and he absolutely annihilated me and I have no idea what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it to tell them to just take your watch zones out. All right, it's, true. Uh, you get higher awakening level now. 
because it's mm -hmm. based on per two watchstones, not per four. Yeah, you meet Sirius at eight. I like how much earlier I can try to commit to a farming strategy on the Atlas mm -hmm. without feeling as punished for it. Like this league, um, the character that I'm doing as my starter is eventually going to want to have a heist unique that drops from the heist quest line. So I've been trying to spam Lyra Arthane with the heist nodes to get as many heist quests as possible. And normally that's something I'd have to put off longer and longer as I go like, oh, but I'm not making progress on my conquers anymore because I haven't even visited this outer corner of the Atlas because I don't progress it well. But now with the ability to, you know, get all my Maven passives done much more rapidly, get all my watchdowns collected much more rapidly on like day three or day four, I can start grinding with a targeted farming strategy and, you know, feel like I have a goal that I'm pushing towards rather than being mired in the too lengthy process of just the going through the motions again and again of collecting watchstones. So I think it's a great, um, mm -hmm. great change. Yeah, I agree. I think it's overdue since the Maven got released, just because before you would almost have to differentiate between when you're going to progress Maven, and when you're going to progress your Atlas, uh, well, at least progress your watchstones to an extent. And rather than having to just grind away watchstones forever, you, you can choose to now progress your Maven a lot quicker because you've progressed your Atlas a lot quicker. Uh, you can utilize those Atlas passives like Octavian was saying to focus on specific things that you want to farm rather than having to go through the motions of finding all of the watchstones in order to be able to do so. So it's it was needed for both the casual player and for the no-life degen player. Both of them are happy, I'm sure. I just enjoy overall the simplification. Like Path of Exile is such a complex game, so many things to learn. And I think four Atlas regions is just enough. You don't need eight. It makes it easier to remember which map is where. It makes it easier to remember which which um passive tree, like which mastery where with um which league mechanic you can invest into in which passive tree. It makes it easier to remember which Atlas specific base items you can get where. It's just overall I think yeah, a blessing. I, I think it just makes the game more accessible. Like, surely those things that I just mentioned aren't problems for us who play the game 12 hours a day on average, but um, but to someone who is just trying to learn the game, it's much better, more accessible, without taking away too much of what we enjoy about the game. And I hope that they learn from it for the next uh, the next expansion that's coming in. Like I hope that they take those lessons of maybe you don't need to artificially increase the end game's length that much, you know? Because before it's like thirty two watchstones. It kind of got alleviated a little bit for at least trade players because you could just buy the watchstones. Still didn't get you serious, but it got alleviated a little bit. But still, spending like. It felt like forever. It got to the point where I just didn't want to do it anymore. Now, I just find myself with all of the watchstones all of a sudden. Before I even realize that I'm progressing, I'm like, oh, I'm like almost already all the way there. Cool. You know, it's like a couple days in. So it doesn't feel even close to as bad. Hmm. You can even collect all the watchstones without even having to go up to like T15s and 16s because you can mm -hmm. get the last set of them with three watchstones socketed, which is nice. It's a, it's a, it's a very nice little. What's the word I'm looking for here? Like, nod towards players who maybe aren't progressing to the upper echelon of the highest tier of maps as quickly. Like, you can still make progress and collect all your watchdowns without having to go all the way to T16s.
Excuse me, I'm selling my Skaeva with the culling strike for 1c. <laughs> apparently, my, apparently I'm turning into a robot, but maybe it's stopped. Yeah, I've, I've had some... I don't know whether it's my local, like, the, the system having problems with the Discord sound coming in. I've heard some some voice distortion on, on all of you, but it might have been also just Discord, or the fact that... I don't know, that we're on probably a server that's more close to you, as you're all on the, the North American continent, and I'm uh, here, the European pleb. But, uh, oh yeah, maybe it's showing Europe for me. Um, just a reminder... But I do have to go in about 10 minutes if we... I don't know if we want to do any, like, Q&A type stuff or anything like that. Oh, that's that's a really fair point. I've been keeping track of the time fairly well because I'm very aware of your limits. But, uh, yeah. is I think we made a good good uh, effort to cover everything. Got a, a really nice representation. Maybe uh, quickly talk about the guild improvements and then uh, and we round things off by telling people where to find our content and what they can look for. Or what they could look forward uh, to. Guild improvements. I'm kind of upset that I have to buy uh, <laughs> hideouts again for the guild. I'm a little upset about that. I can't just use my nice nebula hideout for the guild. A little upset. Besides that, overall positive. And stash tabs. Man, that's going to be like a huge money sink between my guild members and me to, to get a basic amount of stash tabs we've been we've been waiting like people have been telling me almost every day to to buy some tabs for the guild but i'm like no we wait until first weekend when we get the the tab sale that's usually when it happens right like one weekend in or one weekend the first weekend of the of the leak after leak start is when you get the stash tab sale in the store with such amazing offers as as much as 40 percent off i believe right so i can't really I mean, I have to be responsible with the funds that my guild provides for the guild build up. So, obviously, have to wait for the sale. Yeah, the the thing that I wonder is like, how does the how does the MTX stuff work? Like the MTX, uh, what's the name of it? Is it just the person creating the hideout? Like you, you know, if you get the, MTX the, boxes and uh, stuff, you're not building materials. You're not allowed to use any paid hideout decorations when making a guild hideout at the moment. Uh, that might change going forwards, but currently you can just use basic decorations, no paid ones. Well, that's still decent. Now that they're free, and no more, uh, I guess, reason for master missions to exist, it kind of feels weird that master missions just don't provide you anything anymore. Except the oh. fact that they are the mission. Yeah, no, I found that really going. weird about Zana for a while now, where it's like the the reward that you get from Zana mission is the mission itself, like getting a free map. So I always found these time limit missions with like an objective really weird because I'm like, okay, I have millions of favor. I don't, I literally don't care about favor anymore. What is my incentive to complete the mission in time just to appease Zana so that she doesn't yeah. say anything mean? Like, that she doesn't close the map on you randomly now. That's that's the whole reason. You have to get in there and get it done so that she doesn't bug and close all your maps. <laughs> or close all your portals. Does she Six, that I mean, it was, you can just, you just look at the last set of exiles that made Zana angry and see what that, where that got them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep her happy. I'm going to click on the lodestones. <laughs> that's good that they fix it, though. Thought they stealth nerfed it. Brought it back to only one map entrance available for Zana only. Oh, those were horrible. 
Back in my day. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, but like, I, I feel like that's going to be addressed, though, with one of the future patches. If not next patch, then one of them, the ones afterwards, because even when you still were interested in the favor, like the, the number of Xana missions were just get time limit based on how many monsters you kill and with the density that we have nowadays and the clear speed it's just like you end the map the map with 10 minutes or more available all the time it's never any problem with clearing it time now you've got double the map to do though so you've got to clear the scourge at the same time so it's a little bit harder right it's just a little bit maybe that's what i was also hoping for with the achievement or the uh yeah, one of the Scourge ones is clear, full clear map. And I was hoping that didn't just mean the regular mobs. I was hoping that was like, clear the Scourge and everything in the map. Oh, yeah. I got that one by accident because I did a blighted map. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that counts. Yeah, the challenges do seem a lot easier. This league, I, I just, I, I randomly got the first MTX without even trying, I think, like in on day one or something like that. So, so far, they seem a lot easier. Oh, and the, the weapon effect looks really good, the weapon skin. I use it on, like, you don't see it when you have it in the MTX tab because it looks like a sword, but it, it does look different and it works for all weapon types. I mean, I haven't tried it on a bow yet, but I, I'm pretty sure it works there as well. And it, it actually looks pretty, like, on a staff. I'm actually surprised. It looks, in the preview, it looks like a sword, but when you put it on a staff, it actually has a, a really nice, like, top with like fingers or like what you want to call that on a staff I, i'm not very familiar with the precise vocabulary in that department of the english language but um yeah no that looks almost it, awesome it looks mediocre on a dagger but it's okay when i use a big boy two-hand weapon at some point in the future maybe i'll get some use out of it all right but the uh the achievements or challenges, pardon, they do scale up quite a bit. Uh, there is the one fun one, Defeat the Feared, with the modifier that uh, Maven releases uh. all of the bosses at the same time. Um, oh, yeah. So as far as I know, some people in Hardcore, uh, Darky included, are already theory-crafting ideas about that. Basically, I think his thought was create a Fizz Trapper and kill Elder instantly and then just die. And then come back into the other character and finish it off. <laughs> very rarely is die part of the plan in hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very rarely. At that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like fish trappers, their their initial like load of damage is ridiculous. So I mean, I, I guess that works. Yeah, just just toss. Uh, does does, does Darky play? Uh, does he play SSF? SSF hardcore, yeah. Yeah, so just pitch all of that, you know, like slightly difficult to get trapper gear just into the wind just to be able to get the achievements finding. Who cares? Well, I mean, is I mean, it could be an option to just log out instead of dying and to come back with like a full load of traps. No, 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 no. <laughs> None of that. You have to sacrifice <laughs> it for the RNG so that you don't just get like randomly gibbed by anything else. Blood sacrifice. Yeah, That's what as much damage as humanly possible. Just gear up four trappers, one per boss. There you go. Just get just get a whole <laughs> set of trappers for your, for each one of the bosses as you go in. Sounds feasible. I mean, I'm sure Darky could pull it off. Yeah, he could do just about anything at this point. Or he goes back to raiding in WoW. I don't even know if he's doing that anymore, though. Probably. 
I don't know. Well, after the whole Blizzard debacle, I don't know. I don't know how many people are still going. No idea. Uh, we're running out of time, though, so let's quickly uh, do the shout-out round. Do you want to uh, tell us what you still got planned for the, the upcoming days, Ducks? The upcoming days, um, recover my sanity and my sleep schedule, uh, probably do some of my normal work, and make updates to all the guides that I put out. That's pretty much that's uh, that's all I got All I got on the list. Nothing on streaming and all that other stuff, you know. How many guides are on the list to update? Um, at least two. Um, I just want to include grace and determination on more of the builds. It's the main thing that I want to change. Um, so, yeah. Good plan. Yeah. Thumbs just, up. Just from put me. it on everything. It's it's fine. Just, just grace and determination on everything. Yeah, I'm probably going to replace one of the auras I'm running with determination in the long run, especially because anger is like flat damage, and I already get so much flat damage from Martyr of Innocence that anger is not that much of a more multiplier, and if and it pales in comparison to the flat damage elsewhere. I might be able to just drop that for determination. It's even the same color on the gem. So yeah. Anger's always kind of held in comparison to everything else anyway, so I guess it's fine. It's really good with the damage effectiveness on, on Armor Brand being up now. It's really good. But anyway, uh, Octavian, what, what are your plans for the next coming days? Are you going to push the TR champion a lot further? Um, Helix champion, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so I've got a couple of significant gear upgrades to make. I'm still on like a 330 DPS weapon, so that's got to be improved. Um, and I, that is actually one use that I have for the Krangle device. I'm probably going to be Krangling some axes to see if I can get some, like, local fizz or something. I have a couple of, you know, my old axes that are close to my current one, and if they get the right implicit, they could be good. I don't have high hopes for it, but why not? Um, and push to 95 and do some bosses. That's, that's the idea. 93 at the moment and 50%, so it shouldn't take that long. Sounds good. Trixed, do you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, your plans? Yeah, I guess I'll try and, get my, try and get my mojo back and figure out what's going on in this damn game now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, over the next few days, unfortunately, I, I've got to take a backseat on, on some of the gaming, so I'm going to be playing a little bit here and there, uh, and then after this week, it should be, uh, it should be a lot more again. But the plan is uh, playing in Carve's uh, group self-found league, and so just try and push to some of the bosses. The only two like encounters that I hadn't done in Path of Exile um, were actually I've never found all, even though I've delved like past 500 multiple times in hardcore, um, and I have not fought the feared. So those are hopefully the goals for this league, and then obviously some aspirational content if I ever get to that point. But uh, yeah, nothing too big plan, just to keep progressing the character, keep progressing and enjoying Scourge as it is. It's fun so far. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what more uh, we will learn about the league and uh, the top end of the rewards, and maybe what kind of uh, improvements we're going to see from the side of GGG, as they may realize that some people are underwhelmed by the, the league in terms of rewards, at least. I mean, the gameplay is awesome. Uh, one more thing I wanted to, to mention quickly, one improvement that needs to happen is that you, the overlay map should show you the Nightmare Realm at the same time when you're not shifted in a different color. So you could you could know where you already explore explored the nightmare realm. 
that you don't shift in places where you already cleared everything. Because currently, you have to keep track of that with uh, your memory. Right if they can make it not look, yeah, if they can make it not look overwhelming, I agree. Because like, there's already a lot of stuff on the screen. So if they can make it not horrifically overwhelming, then yes, I agree. That would be nice. <laughs> All right. And with that said, we want to stick to our self-imposed time limit of two hours. I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks, Octavian. Thanks, Big Ducks. Thanks, Trix. And guys, remember, I post the links in chat. Remember to follow those amazing uh, broadcasters and uh, you know check out their content. Be entertained. If you only tuned in during the podcast, you want to watch the whole thing, it will be uploaded in full on my YouTube and on all podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher. It should be there within 24 hours of this broadcast. And um, the next Faded Connections is actually already this Saturday, and then Balor will be back here. He couldn't make it today, but Faded Connections, Saturday, 30th of October, with DS Lily and Pi by Pi to discuss the first week of this league. And um, yeah, with that said, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for the broadcaster for being here. And thanks to the audience for being uh, great with the input and have a wonderful uh, first week of the league still. Best of RNG. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.